Hello, everybody. Welcome to Ocean State Sidelines. Will Gagan here from The Independent, along with Brendan McGare of the Woonsocket Column for Tucket Times. That music means football. I, that, that's what I associate with, so we uh, we got some high school football to talk about. Absolutely. We're not Joe Buck. We're not Troy Aikman. This isn't <laughs> Sunday, but we are going to talk a little high school football because this weekend, well, the Division One and Division Two playoffs get underway. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of action Friday night, a little bit on Saturday. Uh, the state championship Super Bowl is still a, a week away. That's going to be on the 16th, uh, Hendrickin against Portsmouth. Um, but the Division One bracket, uh, you know, I, you hear complaints, and, and I they're totally justified. The system, I think, should change. We've got to get the best teams having an opportunity to play each other in the playoffs. But that said, it is what it is this year, and the Division One playoffs are actually pretty intriguing. I think they're intriguing because one element stands out. You have LaSalle. Exactly. You know, this year. Yep. You know, Last year, you had LaSalle taking on Hendrigan for the championship, ho-hum. We see that every year. This year, because of some losses, Hendrigan beat LaSalle, and also LaSalle lost to Cranston West. They're in the uh, Division One bracket this year, and I think that breaks for a more intriguing format. Yeah, it does. You know, you have NK, I think the second-best team in the state, uh, potentially taking on LaSalle in the semifinals. Uh, and then you have Cranston West on the other side of the bracket who beat LaSalle. They're up there as, as one of the top teams in the state. Those are three really good teams. Uh, not to mention Shea with Jalen Smith, um, one of the best players in the state. Um, you've also got Cumberland in there, East Providence, Central, Barrington, um, some good teams. And, and that NK LaSalle matchup, if that happens in the semis, if that comes to pass, NK is going to relish that opportunity. Oh, absolutely. That's going to be a big time game. And, and you know, Correct me if I'm wrong, well, a year ago, I think the semifinals, they were neutral round sites. If they you, were. If That's you look correct. at the bracket, it looks at the higher-seeded team, which means that you know North Kingstown could get two bites at the apple in terms of having a home game. Yeah, that'll be uh, that'll be interesting because their their home field is a serious home field advantage. They draw, draw big crowds um, for their home games. So that would be uh, a Friday night, November 15th, the day before the state championship Super Bowl. They'll, they'll get going with the D1 semifinals. You know, North Kingstown last year, that was that was the thing. North Kingstown wanted a shot at LaSalle last year. They felt they were equal with LaSalle. They'd both lost to Hendrickson. Now, a year later, North Kingstown might get that shot. Um, of course, they have to get through Barrington first uh, in the quarterfinals. That's a Friday night game at NK, 7 o'clock. And LaSalle uh, takes on Cumberland, who had a nice finish to the season to get into the playoffs. They did, and uh, you know Dante Villasantos, he's been a driving force at quarterback all season for Cumberland, but it uh, sounds like the Clippers might not might be without one of their top wide receivers in Shane Mirabot. He had suffered an injury, I think maybe in the uh, St. Ray's game, that Cumberland needed to clinch a playoff spot. On the other side, you've got Cranston West taking on East Providence. That'll be at Cranston Stadium. And then at Max Reed Field, Central taking on a Shea team that lost two in a row to close out the regular season, but they were losses to North Kingstown and Hendrickson. Right. Yeah, I mean, Shea, Shea uh, you know, is a, a tough team. And, and I know NK felt like Shea played them pretty tough, even though that was a little bit of a blowout. Um so and, and Jalen Smith, you hope he can make a little playoff run here and get to the the semifinals at least for a, a matchup with Cranston West. Oh, that would be good. But Central uh, had a tough finish to the season. Actually lost to South Kingston yes. in the season finale. A little bit of a surprise there. Uh, credit to the Rebels for for battling through a tough year. Uh, but Central has a, a lot of talent too, a lot of skill talent. So that'll be a fun game at Max Reed on Friday night. And we'll go over to the uh, the D two bracket. 
which I, will be very tough. But, you know, right now, it looks like East, it's East Greenwich's tournament to lose. It certainly feels that way, the way they've dominated the regular season. Uh, you know, especially that you look at that matchup with Lincoln. Uh, Lincoln came in also undefeated in that game, and East Greenwich just, just controlled that matchup. So they've they've been great, and they'll be the favorite. Uh, they take on Middletown in the quarterfinals Friday night at East Greenwich. Uh, Middletown, an interesting team. They, uh, they blew out Mount Hope by a ridiculous score two weeks ago and then lost to Mount Pleasant uh, last week, which dropped them from being in contention for a home playoff game. So maybe a little little bit of a tough one for East Greenwich there. They've got had a little rivalry with Middletown over the years, too. They, they met in this D3 Super Bowl a few years ago. Uh, but I think the Avengers will probably uh, probably prevail in that one. Also on that side of the bracket, Westerly taking on Winsocket. Uh, Westerly still p- pounding the ball, ground and pound, uh, even without uh, Tristan Toronto. Uh, and Winsocket, the defending D2 champs, has been playing pretty well lately. They, they have. They started out 0-4. And overall, 0-3 in league play, but uh, kind of like what like Chris Burby used to say about the Buffalo Bills, nobody circles the wagons quite like the <laughs> Buffalo Bills, and I've been kind of using that expression with uh, Winsocket here. Uh, they've uh, gotten better as the season's gone on, and they've been really blowing out teams here. They blew out uh, West Warwick 42-12, blew out Classical 34-14, blew out Rogers 35-7, and and here they are on the, uh, on the cusp of maybe... Making a nice little playoff run here for, for themselves. It's been a nice little rivalry with Wesley over the last couple of years. This is about the 14th, no, the fourth meeting over the last like 14 months between these two teams. Yeah, yeah, that's that's gonna be pretty interesting. Um, and you know, Northern Renown, Southern Renown, little rivalry there. Uh, the other side of the bracket, you have Burrowville is the top seed from the other side of Division Two. Uh, they've played very well. Are we on a collision course with Burrowville and East Greenwich potentially? But Burville has to get through Rogers first. Another another team taking a long ride up to Burville on a Saturday. Uh, at least then, it's a noontime game. It's, true. it's, it's Noon, not a, it's not a ten thirty game yeah. up there in uh, Alumni yeah. Field. And then you have uh, Lincoln and Mount Pleasant. That strikes me as the game of the first round. Lincoln has played really well. Mount Pleasant kind of turned it on toward the end of the year and has a ton of talent. Uh, a couple of guys who are getting some D1 looks, so that will be a fascinating matchup uh, yeah. Friday night at Lincoln. Yeah, that's the the game I'm planning to head to. Uh, Lincoln had lost two in a row coming into last week's game against uh, Coventry, got back on a winning track with a four, with a convincing 48 to 14 win. I mean, for Lincoln, their key is to run the ball. If they're running the ball effectively, they're very tough to stop. Yeah, absolutely. So that's the slate um, for the playoffs for D1 and D2. Like we said, the state championship waits uh, for another week. Uh, Division 3 and Division 4 have another round of regular season games this week uh, because they go directly to the semifinals in their playoffs. Uh, On that note, a big game for Narragansett uh, as they take on Cherahoe this week. Um, Narragansett lost to Pilgrim. Uh, Pilgrim just came in in that battle of unbeatens and and, really played well. Um, Kind of took advantage of a lot of things, started fast, and, uh, and played pretty strong. Their rushing attack really was tough for Narragansett to stop, so that was a disappointment for the Mariners, but they uh, still have a shot to get the number two say, seed if they lose to Cherahoe, looking at a three-way tie, and that always gets wild. Yeah, you bring Tolman into the equation yep. there, but uh, the only thing we know right now in D3, Pilgrim, they're the number one seed, they're the regular season champs. Yep. After that, it gets a little cloudy, and uh, that makes that Narragansett-Cherahoe game one of most importance on Friday night. Yeah, absolutely, and then in, uh, in Division Four, I mean, it's... North Smithfield, Mount St. Charles, and everybody else at this point. Yeah, the uh, the Northmen Mounties, they uh, capped off, uh, well, their regular season. They won the Division uh, 
for regular season title. They're seven and zero right now. Everybody else looks like they're jockeying for second place right now. You got Tiverton at five and two, Pontiacanson and Tollgate tied at you know four and three each. I guess uh, for the, those two teams especially, it's about trying to avoid North Smith and Mount St. Charles in the quarter in the uh, semifinals. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, sometimes that's the the biggest thing that matters for getting a playoff run. Is avoiding that number one seed. So that's the football uh, landscape as of right now as we head into the uh, stretch run of the playoffs. Uh, so let's uh, switch gears to little college hoops. Yes, uh, we actually opened up Tuesday night. We actually have games to talk about. No, no more preseason, no more this or that. It's actually we have contest to discuss it. Will, you were down at uh, URI, and uh, it looked like it took a full 40 minutes for uh, the Rams to finally put down LIU Brooklyn. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, they, they looked like they were pulling away early in the second half, got the lead out to about 17, and then, uh, you know, it dipped down to 10. LIU was just taking a ton of three-pointers. I think they took 44 in that game. Uh, so when you take 44, even if you don't shoot a great percentage, you're going to make a few. So that, that allowed them to kind of get back in the game a little bit. Uh, URI eventually, you know, held on. It was not a. It never got truly dicey. I think it dipped down to eight at one point. Um, but sort of the Rams had them at arm's length. It felt like uh, overall, you know, not not a super fantastic first impression from the Rams. Um, but they uh, they got it done. And, and there are some things that I think stand out on the good side. Is that assists were pretty high, turnovers were pretty low. Uh, they made nine three-pointers, which is something they didn't do very often last year. Um, and, you know, the shooting numbers still weren't great, but they also had terrific performances from their, their core guys, their four guys, Tyrese Martin, Jeff Dout, and Fats Russell, Cyril Langevin. If those guys play like that, they're going to be in a lot of games. They're going to have a shot to win a lot of games. Uh, and also a guy who stuck out stuck out was freshman Jacob Topin, who, uh, who had a terrific uh, debut with a, a follow dunk. For the highlight reel, which Molly was very excited about, excited to see the highlight of that, and uh, we also he also just had a solid game overall, finished with 11 points, seven rebounds. And now the Rams will step significantly in weight class with a Saturday night 9 p.m. tip down in Maryland. Yeah, big test for them, the first real test of their tough non-conference schedule. Uh, it's a game where you know obviously Maryland's ranked seventh in the country right now, and, and beat Holy Cross. I, I think you or I. Very clearly an underdog here, um, but it's it's sort of a, a can't lose situation. It's a true road game against a really good team. Helps all your your numbers when it comes to the NCAA tournament. If you happen to win, you might have write, written your ticket on the second you know second game of the season. Absolutely, yeah. but I think too. I think David Cox may have said it best. Will and you were probably there to hear this in person. You know, it's good to have this game this early in the year to kind of gauge it where is, your team yeah. is at. Some teams are. Kind of like loading up on uh, nondescript cannon fodder, as I like to say it sometimes with a non-conference game. But to go to to go to Maryland for the second game of the season, that's a huge statement in terms of where David Cox maybe believes where this team is heading and how he like to gauge them this early. It on. is, and it's it'll be fun for you or I fans to see how their team stacks up against a, a team that's that good. Um, you know, so early in the season. And that game's actually on FS1, I believe, Saturday. So, uh, Big East style. Well, Big East style, your little uh, roadie uh, feast there for those fans on a Saturday night. So, uh, that'll be a good uh, television viewing. But, uh, we'll switch gears to the Friars, who, uh, 
You know, maybe I've got to come up with a new nickname for them. The lightning quick, fast paced, no more <laughs> slow it down, offensively challenged Friars. Those, yeah, uh, 106 points the other night against Sacred Hartwell. And, you know, to see that in person, it was just mightily impressive. And maybe the most impressive stat of all 31 assists on 39 baskets. And yeah, that, that really sticks out. I mean, 31 assists is a ton. And, and that, so only eight baskets were not assisted. That's pretty remarkable. Uh, pretty impressive performance to get 100 points, uh, clear the 100-point mark. First time in regulation for, uh, for, Ed for Cooley. Cooley team. For, for an Ed Cooley team. Last yep. year they had 100 points in an overtime win at Boston College. But to get 100 points on a uh, first night of the season, when especially it's been a disjointed preseason with injuries and guys in and out. At, but, uh, you know, they still don't have Nate Watson yet, so, yeah. so he's waiting in the wings. Once they get him back, I mean, it's pretty scary. And... People kind of maybe say, oh, Sacred Heart, blah, blah, blah. This is a team that's picked pretty high to finish in the NEC. And uh, it was a good test for the Friars, and they certainly passed it with flying colors. Yeah, I mean, regardless of the point, opponent, if you score 106 points, you're doing things right at the offensive end. Um, and, and that's a clear, I, I think the biggest thing that stands out about that, like you said, such an improvement from last year, both in terms of pace and, and production. And, you know, one thing that did stand out with the Friars you know, just looking at uh, the Ken Palm numbers, 14.9 seconds per offensive possession. Mm-hmm. You know, usually with head Cooley teams are all like, you know, 17, 18. Yeah. So to get it and go, that's something that what Ed Cooley has kind of stressed during the preseason. And he has the guy to do it in Luan Pipkins. And, yep. you know, that's probably the most noticeable takeaway, at least for me, the improvement of the point guard play that you have someone who can both – facilitate and also score as well. Pimpkins finished with uh, seven assists, 13 points, hit three threes. He just, he did everything. And uh, when PC was making their run, making it from like a 12-point game to a 29-point game late in the first half, he was everywhere. He's a huge addition. He's exactly what they needed. And uh, if he continues to play like that, gives PC a serious weapon. Also a big game for Emmett Holt, which I know it's great to see uh, given what he's been through the last few years. Yeah, just, uh, you know, intestinal issues have just really derailed him. He's lost a significant amount of weight, and, you know, there's a lot of people that are kind of asking, what are you going to get on Emmett Holt? You know, to get 16 points on 507 shooting, 2 of 2 from 3 in 21 minutes off the bench, I say that uh, Emmett Holt is moving past the idea that he's like a cautionary tale to someone who the Friars are going to be relying on moving forward. Yeah, that's and that's that's a big development. I mean, you... You're happy for the guy that he's he's back, but PC is also going to be pretty happy if he can contribute like mm-hmm. that. And, you know, another noteworthy uh, factor from the first game, Greg Gant, a player that's been limited with an Achilles injury, the only true scholarship freshman on this year's PC roster. He made his uh, college debut the other night and had seven points in 12 minutes and showed the uh, kind of athleticism that, you know, made him a, a top, you know, 50 recruit. And once he gets, you know, maybe acclimated, Practice-wise, Ed Cooley mentioned that he only had two practices going into the Sacred Heart game. Once he uh, kind of understands like the defensive end and you know where to be on offense, I think the sky's the limit for this uh, young buck. Yeah, and, and it's a situation where they they don't even necessarily need that much from him, so they can bring him along a little slowly if they need if they want to. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's certainly some potential there. Next up for the Friars Saturday game against NJIT. Yes, uh, it's uh, the Friars are uh, another home game before they head out to uh, Northwestern next week as part of the Gavit Games Challenge. Northwestern kind of picked towards the bottom of the uh, 
Big Ten standings. So uh, the Friars have a chance to get a few W's out here before they head out to uh, the Wooden Classic uh, come Thanksgiving. Absolutely. And then the other game uh, Tuesday night on the Rhode Island scene was was the best game. Uh, Brown visited Bryant, and the Bears prevailed 73-71 on a late bucket by Brandon Anderson, who had a terrific game. Uh, if, If you were wondering... Who is going to score in the absence of uh, Desmond Cambridge, who departed Brown in the offseason? Anderson could be that guy. He played 39 minutes in that game, 23 points. Uh, Also had a big game from Tamanang Cho at 20 points and 12 rebounds. Pretty strong start for Brown. And I would say a pretty good start for Bryant, too. Yeah, Bryant uh, Bryant played the game without senior forward Sebastian Towns. He was held out with a knee injury. Bryant's actually back in action Thursday night. We're recording on Thursday morning. They're at Rutgers. So uh, they uh, quickly uh, did the quick turnaround. And that's kind of by by design by... uh, Head coach Jared Grasso. Last year, he noted that his teams were two and seven on the second game on, of a NEC turnaround. Usually, in NEC games, they play Thursday and Saturday. Those Saturday games were not too kind to the uh, Brian Bulldogs. So, in an effort to kind of get his team acclimated, that they uh, open up. They're opening up the season with, uh, I believe, seven games in 15 days. Wow, that's a that's an interesting uh, interesting approach. I like that. See yeah, what aggressive. efficiency is and try to address it. But. Uh, we're going to go reach to the shout-out portion of this week's uh, podcast. i got a couple I want to uh, speak about first. I'm going to, you know, the Oakwood Raiders. Uh, I'm sure people are probably familiar with their story. The uh, Pawtucket-based Rhode Island preteen football uh, squad, they were originally told they couldn't be in the playoffs after allegedly recording during a, a game against North Providence, a game that they were over there scouting. But uh, the ruling was overturned. They were able to compete for the playoffs. They go in as the number two seed in that bracket, so uh, good for them. The kids have a shot to uh, maybe get a state championship. And my second shout-out is to uh, St. Rayfield Jr., Rachel Monjo, who finished third in last Saturday's cross-country state meet at Pontiac High School. This weekend is the New England's on Wickham Park. We'll see what she can do. And a shout-out couple for me to uh, North Kingstown Unified Volleyball Team won the Division One Championship. Uh, so nice, nice performance there. Unified volleyball, unified basketball, great things for high school sports. Uh, if you if you've never seen a game, it's fun to watch. Uh, so well done by the Skippers. And also a shout out, you might may have seen a little bit on Twitter about this. The Butler Basketball Club took the court at halftime of uh, URI season opener and just were fantastic. Raining three pointers, no look passes, guys just juking around defenders. It was incredible. By far, I mean, they, they have almost a halftime basketball game almost every every game. That was by far the best. So, well done, Butler Basketball Club, a, a Quidneck Island-based uh, AAU club program. They did a great job. So that will close it for this week's Ocean State Sidelines. We'll be back next week with a fresh episode. We'll have uh, some semifinal football to talk about in Division One, Division Two, and uh, also Three and Four. So uh, keep it right here. Thanks for listening.